We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our emergency freedom alerts for June 5th, 2023. Um, the next, we're going to switch gears. It actually worked out perfect because now we're going to get into, um, well, it's attorney Todd Callender, who really is insightful and uh, brings up some issues that I've heard very few other people get into. And a lot of it with, with his stuff relates to the whole COVID agenda and the things that they're wanting to bring out of that. So this is attorney Todd Callender reveals Biden officials are imposters who swore no oaths to America. Now, this is a the reason I'm playing this, and it's a long clip. I normally don't play almost 33-minute clips, but I just felt the information that he's covering is so integral as to why things are the way that they are and why it seems that these people that are supposedly, you know, taking oaths to uphold our constitution and protect the American public are doing the exact opposite. And this will help you make sense of why things are, you know, kind of the, the way that they are. So I'm going to go ahead and um, roll this right now. Welcome to today's interview on Brighteon.com. I'm Mike Adams, the founder of Brighteon, of course, an advocate of health freedom as well as the rule of law. And today we're joined by two very special guests, one I've interviewed before, who's a phenomenal individual. His name is Todd Callender. Uh, he's an attorney and uh, much more, uh, a public educator and advocate for truth and justice. And we're also joined by Lisa McGee, who is a researcher for VaxChoice.com, among other projects. And what these two individuals bring to us today is a shocking, breaking story about the fact that it appears that key members of the Biden administration have never taken oaths of office. And so they're not legally sworn in as representatives of these United States of America. And if that's the case, then it means that they are operating under, uh, well, they're bluffing, basically, and they actually have no political power. But we'll get into the details. Welcome, Todd and Lisa. It's an honor to have you both on. Yeah, always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, thank you both. Uh, it's great to have you. And uh, I think our audience knows uh, Todd Callender. We've interviewed Todd before. Lisa, can you introduce yourself, please? Yes, um, my name is Lisa McGee, and I have been uh, working with Todd and his uh, on his team for oh gosh, probably what two and a half years. It'll be three years in the fall. Um, I reached out to Todd um, for some personal legal help. I was fired from my teaching job um, for not getting the vaccine. And that turned into um, a life-changing career as a researcher and just being guided by by Todd. He's got the hand of God on his shoulder. <laughs> exactly. Well said. And uh, again, welcome, Todd. And your legal practice has helped a great many people in a number of ways. But just, just to kind of uh, summarize that real quickly how would you describe your focus right now yeah we really came together myself and a couple of other lawyers lisa included to try and stop the shots uh, we filed lawsuit against the u.s department of defense where our case still exists uh, we sued the dod hhs fda the issue uh, remaining today is whether or not the people that got the shots are somebody else's chattel property um, that has expanded into a lot of other issues, as you can imagine. We spend a great deal of time um, helping people avoid shots and, and recover 
their uh, their monies, recover their damages from um, workplaces that fired them for not taking the shots uh, or other places that discriminated against them. And that's why our law firm's named Disabled Rights Advocates. Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, let me show your website here for people. Uh, dradvocates.com, Disabled Rights Advocates, is your law firm's website. So, folks, you can check out more things there. If you want to contact the firm, you can do that through this form. And uh, Vax Choice that I mentioned before is right here, VaxChoice.com, uh, an outstanding site, a lot of information. And Lisa McGee is, uh, again, a researcher involved in, in this effort as well. So getting to the issue at hand uh, for both of you, you know, can, Todd, can you just kind of present well, your findings? Because it's rather shocking for people yeah. to hear that these people have not apparently ever taken oaths of office. Yeah, that's right. It's quite a story. So Lisa, she mentioned, has been working with us for a couple of years now. And from the time I filed the, uh, the lawsuit against the DOD, we just kept running into very strange issues um, as it related to the, the conduct of the DOD itself, calling these shots you know, countermeasures, effectively weapons. And um, so Lisa decided to put a Freedom of Information Act request into the DOD to see, number one, whether or not the Secretary of Defense, or I should say Mr. Austin, had registered under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, number one, uh, and number two, whether he had a valid oath of office. Oddly enough, it was taking some of the neighborhood of nine months before we got the information. We were gearing up to sue um, to enforce the FOIA request, and about that time along came the, the affidavit of Secretary, I'm sorry, Mr. Austin, and uh, a whole lot of other people, the entire cabinet, effectively. And uh, to our very much surprise, we came to find that, that all of the affidavits for the oath of office as required by law, 5 U.S.C. 3331 and 3332, they were all either defective or missing entirely. So what does this mean in a practical sense? I mean, yeah. it sounds like they're imposters. Well, this is the, the funny part. You could expect that maybe somebody forgot to have their their oath of office notarized, right? Because that's really where we see the common defect. But not to have the entire cabinet's oath of office completely missing. You know, these are required by law. It, it, how else would we prove there is a duty of this person serving this role to the people that they are representing or the people that, that um, the government represents? And so there, there's a requirement of a written oath that comes all the way back from the Civil War. And if they're missing that, the, the statute reads that all of their acts are void ab initio, as though they didn't happen. Effectively, what you said is right. They're actors. They're not official at all. Well, what about Joe Biden? Yeah, he has a separate oath. It's really interesting. The, his comes from the Constitution itself. Um, from what we can see, there's nothing uh, requiring him to have a written oath of office. Okay, so you're talking then primarily about the cabinet members. Anyone else? Yeah, including the, the quote-unquote vice president. That's why I kept saying I'm not sure I should call him Secretary Austin. He's Mr. Austin. He doesn't, doesn't have that official title if he's not there serving lawfully. And that was the question. We filed a writ quo warranto, comes from old England, show, show your authority. By what authority do you act? And we filed it with the U.S. attorney because one of the things you'll see as you look through the exhibits is the Attorney General's oath of office is defective. Not only is it not notarized, it doesn't have an appointment date. So by the time we filed this with the U.S. attorney, um, Lisa's other FOIA came back, and sure enough, he also has a defective oath of office. 
So who then is serving lawfully? And by the way, sorry, Mike, that's the guy prosecuting the January Sixers. I was going to make that exact point. Uh, Stuart Rhodes just sentenced to 18 years in prison, uh, apparently mm -hmm. under the, quote, authority of an attorney general who you are saying uh, does not have a functioning oath of office, which would lead many people to question whether that attorney general is actually the attorney general or just Mr. Garland. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, Lisa, you want to chime in? Well, to, for the, um, this ties in with January 6th as well. The United States uh, District Attorney of D.C., Matthew Graves, who is who we served the, uh, the writ to, but is is prosecuting several of, well, most of the January 6ers. He also has a defective, deficient oath. Um, and so, you know, we it, it, it's that in and of itself is huge. But um, yes, it was very, you know, when I started this, it was Austin first and then thought, well, why I, I need to do everybody. You know, well, I'm not going to, why stop there? And as Todd said, you it, immediately, Mike, we, we started getting these immediate pushback emails back. And, you know, well, once you submit a FOIA, they are required to respond. So they do respond, but it is in, we're going to send you here, we're going to send you there. You know, they send you every other department, but the one that you're inquiring about mm -hmm. and where they right. should have the information. I mean, it, it was, it, it got to be comical, but it isn't because it's horrendous. And... Very early on, you know, it'd be, it, it's like this light bulb of like, why wouldn't these people have their oath of office? I mean, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't you be proud to, to, to present your oath of office? It, it should be a, a, a very easy task to provide. And another thing that's very important to note, which I, I wasn't aware of the importance of, I mean, I was aware of it, but just the, the profound significance of the Federal Register. Every single uh, appointee has to file their um, oath of office, notarized, or their affidavit. Just I always forget what it's called, Todd. If they choose not to get it notarized, the... There's a substitute. It's yeah. sworn under penalty of perjury. Thank you. But those have to be filed within 30 days with the Federal Register of their appointment. And uh, recently, the FOIA um, agency... or. Um, has has closed the ability to FOIA to the Federal Register under since Biden's mm -hmm. Wow! So closing the door to protect the secrecy. Yeah. But let me. So let me. I, I have a lot of questions. I'm sure our audience will uh, as well. But question number one is: If I go to the Federal Registry, or if I were able to, and look at, let's say, Trump's cabinet, uh, all those officials have oaths of office on file. Well, he, he's now archived because he's no longer, you know, he's a previous president. So he he and I have, we FOIA'd for those. Very lovely letter back from his, from a representative saying that, I mean, very official, like they should be. All these other letters have not been, the typos and, uh, you know, different things. Um, they are not able to provide those yet because they're setting up the his library, but they will as soon as they're able to um, because I don't quite understand why they wouldn't still be in the register, but I, Todd, I don't know if, it, if they're current. Um, yeah, I, I do have an answer to that as well, Mike. What we've come to find is that this is rampant, that it probably goes back to 1964. In 1963, on January 10, um, the Communist Manifesto called The Naked Communist was read into the congressional record. 55 or so items were listed there. 
Um, number 13 of which was to eliminate the oath of office. It's like a tick back exercise. How do you destroy the United States of America? How do you eliminate sovereignty? All the things in Agenda 21 were put there. Mind you, later that year, November 22 of 1963, uh, President Kennedy was assassinated. Um, and so as we are, are looking for these various oaths in the states, we're finding missing ones for sheriffs, for governors. We're finding the same thing now throughout the federal government, even in the military. Um, it seems as though uh, officers kind of 06 and higher are missing their O's of office. It, it's the statute requires it, right? What we want to know is why don't you have it? How? And we're trying to get to a court to say, hey, judge, you know, you ask them, you subpoena them, you issue the writ. I'm just a private lawyer. But getting to the court is also not such an easy uh, thing to do, given that we're starting to find the oaths of offices of judges are also defective. And when you say defective, uh, does that mean it's missing uh, notarization or missing a signature yes, or what? Amongst other things. Okay. Yeah. Missing notarizations is, is the most common one. Uh, but the, but sometimes we found, Lisa can share, that the language has changed. You know, the, these, the language that they have to swear to is a function of statute. Judges have some additional language. Other people, um, Congress people, have three different types of language. Um, but you find sometimes they just substitute it in their own stuff. What? Yeah. This is by <laughs> statute. Yeah, it's they, crazy. They're just ad-libbing their oaths of office? So, so we had, and, and there were, um, so they take a, a, you know, a ceremonial swearing in. That does not equate or represent or substitute the written oath of office. So it doesn't, we doesn't can, count. It doesn't count. Um, Secretary, I'm not even going to call her Secretary, Yellen, Granholm for Energy, and Budicek for Transportation sent links, and uh, Agriculture, uh, Tom Vilsack, um, sent links to either YouTube or C-SPAN of their uh, ceremonial swearing in. Two of them have masks on, so you can't even hear them. Um, but that doesn't, and they actually presented it as a question to me on official letterhead. Is this what you're looking for? What? Yes. And so, what, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that last part, Lisa. What was that? Well, so this is very interesting, and I, I think this really does bear weight. Um, Kamala Harris swore them all in. She was the official uh, person, so she recited the oath, and then they repeated her. Every single one, and I went through these like 25 times, listened um, to make sure that this is accurate. She switched the wording on the verbal uh, reciting of it for them on each and every one of them. She switched up a different word and it's very subtle, but each one of those have a, recited a, an incorrect, inaccurate oath. So, this first of all, this is fascinating and I, I can imagine uh, you're digging down this rabbit hole. You're, you're probably uncovering all kinds of little pathways of, of question marks, but there is, you know, a contingent of, of people in this country who believe that uh, the 2020 election, of course, was stolen. I mean, I believe it was stolen, but there's another contingent of people who believe that the Biden administration is a theatrical, right. I don't know, a projection right. of, they're, like, they're bluffing, they're all imposters, they're not really in charge. And that there's there's uh, what they call a continuity of government. Like Trump is still the president, and COG is still actually in charge. 
and they're waiting for some big unveiling. Yeah, of, that's the whole Q thing is what I think he's in reference to there. Or something. I mean, this, what you're presenting here kind of actually might feed into that uh, narrative, you could say. Yeah, it, it could. I mean, that that's sort of what we're either that or have, how far has it gone back? You know, did, was Trump not really in office either if, if the oaths haven't been properly if they're not properly executed and filed at the, you know, within the, with the federal register. Um, what is interesting we did, which may be to your point, um, when we, when I filed the FOIA for the chief justice, chief judge of the United States district courts in Washington, DC, that's a, you know, heavy hitter, uh, James Bosberg, um, it came back shockingly, like within a couple of days, it's defective. I also, uh, that the same day, requested for all of Trump appointees. Now, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it was to compare, but just to see previous judges. We have not gotten anything. That's It's been two months. So is it possible that we've been living in a, a country that is no longer the constitutional republic that we thought for a very long time? Is that what you're saying? I, Todd yeah. can answer that. I mean, it's, it's terrifying to think about. Um, go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly right. Can I can I just go back and, and yeah. explain something that's really important? I want people to understand the significance of this, because trust me, we've had this conversation. I've got co-counsel in term, um, Ken Ferguson, and then Lisa and I, and, and other lawyers in my firm. We've batted this around a lot to understand that one person, right, maybe didn't find a notary to to um, swear their oath in front of. I understand that. But when you see a pattern where all of them didn't do that, then there's a methodology, right? There's a plan to this. And why would one do that? We started flipping through the, the charges um, that might be applicable, including in, um, impersonating a federal official. But when you get to the jury instructions as they relate to the charges of sedition and treason, what you find is that you have to prove that these persons that you're accusing of treason or sedition had a duty. How does one evidence that they have a duty to the job or to the people they represent? It's by the written oath of office. And so if all of these people are missing their oaths of office, is it possible that they're trading out in their minds? Well, we're not going to hang for treason, but they might get us for impersonating federal officials. That's where right. the, the analysis leads you to. Very yeah. good point. Very good point. And especially in the context of what I believe has been a DOD-created biological weapon that was unleashed right. upon the American people by the military leaders, by uh, people in the bureaucracy, high-level people, uh, including in various agencies. As you know, uh, both of you have documented this. So, those, so perhaps those people, as you just said, Todd, would be concerned that they might, let's say, theoretically, if prosecuted, you know, hang for treason if they had oaths of office. So they don't. So by design, then they don't have oaths of office, which might lessen some future charge against them. Is that the thinking? Yeah, that's exactly the thinking. Wow. Otherwise, how does one account for this? Aside from the the Communist Manifesto, got that. But you you find it so rampant, and and what bothers me the most about it is how hard is it to find a notary. It's not in the hard. case of the, you know, <laughs> exactly, you can do it online. And by the way, thanks to COVID, there's an alternate statute that says if you can't use a notary, then you can swear it under penalty of perjury. And that is also good. None of these are sworn under penalty of perjury. 
And what Lisa said, could it be more true? Look, if you hold that oath, if you're the Secretary of, of Homeland Security, I, I have that thing framed on my wall. Mayorkas couldn't be bothered to do it at all. It doesn't yeah. exist. Which I wanted to, if that's funny that you're bringing him up, not funny. We just, it took a while to get his. They actually sent, and it was a very, um, I, I don't want to, this is a personal opinion, but the letter was very uh, abrupt. And, uh, you know, yes, we've decided that we're able to give this to you. He's a public servant. Any citizen should ask for, if they ask for an oath of office, it's not a privilege to get it. It, it is a right. I mean, it should just be handed over without, oh, we've decided and, you know, Met, met and decided that you could have it. Well, they sent, they didn't, they didn't bother to even send a link or it was literally Mike, the, I think it was the Associated Press news segment, like the highlight in the newspaper of him swearing in. Secretary, <laughs> uh, you know, Department of Homeland Security, Mayorkas gets sworn in today. And it was like a Photoshop, a photo op picture. That's what they sent that they that they think suffice as a copy of his notarized oath of office. Well, this this obviously this is not the you know the the first um, you know perhaps counterfeit situation you know counterfeit uh, office counterfeit authority or counterfeit documents. Of course, uh, Barack Obama right. himself was uh, embroiled in a controversy over his uh, birth certificate, and at one point uh, his staff was so incompetent they released a Photoshop file of his birth certificate that still had the individual layers uh, where if you ran Photoshop, you could open it up and see the 17 layers or whatever it was. Uh, they forgot to flatten it into one uh, image. So it was, it was obviously uh, a, a counterfeit fraud document, uh, even with Barack Obama. Uh, so this potentially does go back a long way. And some might argue, I mean, I've heard these theories. I don't, I'm not an expert on this. I'm not uh, I'm not saying that I advocate it, but I've heard people say that the United States of America's founding was in some way like a like a, a corporation beholden to the city of London or something like that. Does that ring a bell in any way? Sure. Well, sure. the reserve, right? Todd, Todd can explain. Yeah, that, that's that's right. And and actually before that, yeah, there are. Uh, bits of history that are missing from our, our timeline that we're aware of. The short answer to your question is yes, there are corporate elements to our government. Yes, they have become indebted almost immediately after the creation of this country to foreign powers and namely um, the United Kingdom, the city of London, as well as the monarchy itself. So um, when you are in debt to somebody, then right, you owe them a duty versus in this case, you swear an oath of office your duty is to your citizens. And I guess that's my point, Mike, in this whole thing. I want people in uniform to understand this. You swore an oath, right? You're there because you actually care about people and you want to do the right thing for your country. But the people above you, they're issuing you orders. Let's say, for instance, Mr. Austin, who ordered 1.4 million people to effectively commit suicide, put this experimental dangerous shot in your arm, use of force authorized, that was an order, and it was an illegal order on the basis that his oath of office is defective. It may be we need a judge to tell us that, but that is, in fact, the, the facts in front of us. Imagine how many things that have been done at least over the last two years that should be undone because all those acts are void ab initio. And I want people to think about this. 
you're going to get another order, whether it's law enforcement or it's in the military, to enforce a law, to enforce an edict from the WHO. Who do you serve? Do you serve the, the guy giving the order or do you serve your country? And I think people have to start thinking about that very seriously. Well, exactly. And this, this could also give some weight to those who say, I refuse to follow illegal orders from, That's right. from a so-called official who is an imposter. And mm -hmm. uh, right. since you brought up Mallorcas, um, uh, you know, I've publicly stated that I believe he is engaged in acts of treason against this nation and that he should be prosecuted and charged with treason uh, because How he would is, we prove it? How, well, exactly. That's, uh, I was just getting that. But he is, you know, he's keeping the border wide open. He is engaging in the migrant camps, uh, funding the camps that we've yep. actually shown tours with our correspondent, Michael Yan. Uh, you know, here on this channel, um, uh, Mayorkas is, is, he is effectuating an invasion of the United States, which is an That's act right. of treason. And, well, and participating in trafficking. And, and human trafficking, exactly. And weapons trafficking and uh, uh, illegal uh, drugs trafficking. All of this, Mayorkas is the worst human trafficker in the history of this nation, most likely. But how could we ever hold him to account if even the DOJ, the AG, doesn't have an oath either. Yeah, so here's the good thing. If he's in somebody's county, the sheriff has the ability to arrest him for impersonating a federal official. Every state has those style of statutes. They don't need federal law to do that. Is there a sheriff with enough courage to actually do that? Yeah, well, we're going to find out, aren't <laughs> we? And I don't know if you know... Um, do you know Colonel uh, Pete Chambers by chance, Dr. Chambers? Yeah, absolutely. I've had him as a guest in studio here. Yeah, yes. good friend of mine. And and what you're seeing here, Mike, is is Colonel Chambers is now the chief law enforcement officer for the Republic of Texas, which has some sovereignty established long ago and, and recognized internationally as such. Um, he would have the authority to do that, by the way. And what I'm trying to say is that if our government is a fraud, People should go and be a part of a government that isn't a fraud. And I think that's the whole discovery part of this process. If we can't get redress in our courts because none of those judges are lawfully serving, if we can't get redress in front of a legislature because they're all acting, where do we go? And it wasn't that long ago, maybe even 150 years ago, that states were competing for citizens right, to become states. They were territories. We, we have that same dynamic going on here. So you're saying that Colonel Pete Chambers could yeah. deputize people to arrest Alejandro Mayorkas if Mayorkas yes. stepped foot in the state of Texas? In their defined area. And if they uh, were to put together, for instance, mutual legal assistance treaties with their local sheriffs, and I, I don't mention that in a vacuum, that is actually happening. As long as their authority is recognized, then the answer to that question is yes. Wow. Well, how do, how do we get Mayorkas to come to one of those areas and yeah, make this happen? I think they're working on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. And we'll be I, watching. Um, I wanted to say one thing, too, that's very, very important in this. Um, you know, everybody, I don't want to say I'm, I'm a nobody, but I, I was I, I was affected by the you know vaccine mandate and, and heavily, and, and it was very hard, but I chose not to get it but getting fired and, and I joined, um, I have a son and his school started threatening that they were gonna set up a vax clinic, you know, and that they would have 15 year olds, my son was a sophomore in high school, make the decision during lunch to get the vaccine without letting parents know. 
I don't know if you guys can hear. I'm in Colorado. We're getting a massive hailstorm. Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Um, And so I became involved with other parents, mama bears, and uh, learned everything about it and learned about the law and learned about these oaths. So we started um, locally. The state in Colorado, it's called the CORA. It's called CORA. um, For school members, school board members, oaths. They don't have them. I mean, everybody, you know, from the... uh, city, you know, your local city uh, councilman to Austin, they, every, everyone is supposed to have an oath. And so that is how, you know, we could be getting another mandate soon, you know, Ebola, Marburg, whatever's coming. They're going to put masks again. Parents, people, citizens have got to start, you know, filing these oaths to get, they're filing FOIAs to get these oaths of people. Teachers are supposed to take oaths to the Constitution. You know, I mean, public servants. Yes. That's a lot of people. And it is, it, it, it really needs to happen because it was, it was appalling to find out that these school board members, four out of the six school board members at my son's school didn't have oaths of office with the, with the Secretary wow. of State. And they're making these decisions, major medical decisions on, the, on our children. And it's well, good. I mean, in two years, it's gotten worse what they're allowing. I would imagine that some of these people. Now, she just mentioned Marburg's. I'm up on Weather Channel. <clears throat> And one of their main videos is what the CDC's Marburg virus outbreak advisory means. Now, I have done teachings where I gave the protocol that I would recommend for Marburg, Ebola, oh man, just name it, pretty much. So that's all you can access those. Just key in Marburg in the keyword search box, I give you the whole protocol. What I would do, I can't ever say, oh, this is what I would do to treat it. But if it was me, personally, this is what I would I would do. So I just wanted to kind of mention that because you just mentioned Marburg. Actually do have other oaths. Maybe they've sworn secretly an oath to the CCP or an oath to Satan or something like that. So they, they you know, they may have other oaths and other loyalties that we just don't know about. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's clear. Yeah. But what... What does our what do our listeners do with this? I mean, is is anybody else going to take action to demand these oaths yeah. of office? Yeah, we Lisa and I were just talking about that because um, some you know in our, in our cadre of people who help, we've got quite a few volunteers that were really bothered by this subject matter in particular, and they they've raised up an army, and so Lisa's gonna uh, she's gonna lead the army. We're gonna find out. Who has them? Who doesn't? Name and shame, because we need people to come to understand that you're paying taxes to a fraud. You're following orders from a fraud. And people, if you give them the right information, if you give them the truth that they can verify for themselves, they'll do the right thing. We just got to get people to understand it. Yeah, well said. Well, it's it's extraordinary. I mean, I, I never imagined that we would be having this conversation, but here we are. Uh, I can say, in my opinion, that it's clear that Biden and Austin and Mayorkas and others are absolutely not working for the interests of the United States of America. Very clear. That's right. They're working for either some globalist interest or the CCP or satanic, like I said before. Uh, Even if they took an oath, it would be a, a false oath anyway. They would lie in the oath just as they'd lie to us about everything. Yeah. Well, doesn't that make perfect sense then why they wouldn't take it? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, and one of the weird things I was thinking about this, Mike, when we looked at the oath of office of the judges and, and you, you go through the analysis, you know, when you go into the courtroom, who administers the oath? You know, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth? It's not the judge. It's the clerk. And when you start reading through who has authority to issue the oaths of office, um, clerks are authorized. You find the vice president is authorized. There are effectively named people or groups of people. Um, but when you find there, there are just Joe Blow witnesses that seem to have signed um, all these various oaths that are not notarized, it's almost like it's a joke on us. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's almost malicious that they're mocking us. Yep. You know, I have, uh, Todd, I have another. Look, you know, Biden isn't proof of the fact that they're totally openly mocking Americans, you know, I, I don't know what is then. I mean, it's total proof. Source that told me something a few months ago that I, I just kind of blew off until now. Uh, let me run this by you, and I, I can't validate this, but uh, this source told me that uh, articles of surrender uh, to China had already been drawn up by the Biden administration in preparation for a, a, a national surrender. Um, I thought, that, uh, how, you know, how could that be? That That's not possible. Mm. Uh, but then you start not to see all the, the military age uh, CCP young men that have crossed the border, yep. you know, hundreds of thousands. Right. They are occupying. And then I've interviewed other people that talk about the staging of weapons by CCP agents in the United States. And then I have another source that said, well, that includes uh, um, dirty bomb material. It includes explosive vests. It includes SAMs, surface to air missiles that, that can be carried by... Uh, one man, and also um, small mortars that can be used to attack domestic infrastructure. And they said there's going to be an activation day where these Chinese uh, uh, CCP military agents, or People's Liberation Army, are going to be told to um, have a purge and, and attack the U.S. from within. Then suddenly, this... I've been talking about that for decades. I mean, but we started with the Muslim, the fifth column Muslims, their sleeper cells that have been waiting for decades to get the green light. And I think it's going to be a combination effort. I don't think it's just going to be Chinese. I don't think it's just going to be Muslim. I think it's going to be a satanic collaboration effort. You're going to have the drug cartels, the MS-13. You're going to have, I think to a certain extent, LGBTQ devils, part of it. You're going to have Antifa, Black Lives Matter. You're going to have the embedded Muslim sleeper cells that have been chomping at the bit to kill the infidels in America for years. You're going to have the Chinese. You're going to have the embedded troops that have been in underground bases, like the Russians and the Eastern Bloc people that I've been reporting on for years, where you see these people working in places like Dollywood and Gatlinburg and Myrtle Beach and things of this nature that I've reported on over and over again, right near typically world world heritage un unesco world heritage sites like gatlinburg which i visited personally with taylor and saw it for myself essentially a lot of what i'm telling you that there's underground bases there there's places you cannot go in those parks and if you do all of a sudden you've got foreign troops confronting you <laughs> like russian that barely speak english stuff like that i think it's going to be a gigantic mass coordinated effort whenever that day comes and I'm not saying that to discourage you. God's still bigger than all of this. Infinitely bigger. He's infinitely 
uh, and, and again, I think it's it's a good reason when, when Jesus says, pray that you be counted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this earth and to stand before the Son of Man. Um, this is why you, you pray that, because there's dark days ahead. And I don't see, again, this is why I don't see this whole great reawakening or whatever being biblically based. Because that's all I really care about at the end of the day. Is there Bible for it? Can we support this scripturally? Um so anyway this article of surrender idea um could make sense what do you think well two things i want to add to that number one i've come to understand from our own whistleblowers our firm represents a lot of them that the entire air wing of the u.s army is down and, and intentionally so they've been grounded um they those very same people are concerned that it's to deprive americans from close air support should they need it in, in an event like you discussed Having said all of that, the law of war itself is the, is the operable point here. It's uh, the, the Fourth Hague Convention says that when an enemy occupies substantial government functions, the war is won. So who is in the Oval Office? Right. Right? Who are they working for? What about... They're trying to get their numbers to the point, particularly in high-level government, in all states, to where they're already in control. And that when these events are triggered, like we just described, they're already going to have all their henchmen, like Biden and these types of people, already in position to do their bidding. Mr. Austin, you know, are, are those jobs, substantial government functions, are they being operated by foreign powers? What about immigration? And I think there's a very good argument to say, yes, you mentioned it yourself. It was your own thought process. Who do they work for? So all of that together uh, cumulatively makes a lot of sense. So it's daunting and frightening. Okay, so I just felt like that was, again, from a heads-up standpoint, from a totality understanding maybe why things are the way they are, um, I thought that was an important thing to play. And, and they covered a lot of subjects there as well. So next report. Why is Bill Gates now putting a permanent toxic chemicals on our fruit? It's called a peel, A-P-E-E-L. Now, I waited to do the study on this because in the beginning, they're, they're going to actually get into the reason here, so I'll just wait until they get into that. But now it seems to be that this is actually definitely something that we need to be aware of. Did we ever really leave the jungle? Or did we just... Oh, is, is that his obvious rev, uh, uh, reference to that we were we evolved from the apes, Owen? Which probably you believe that, yeah. I mean, obviously that's the the reference he's making there. It looked different. Final segment here with Dr. Jane Ruby, and I told you you won't believe what Bill Gates is doing to your fruit dr jane ruby will tell us now i was i suppose not shocked when i heard this but it's just bill gates every damn time i mean it used to be monsanto was always behind all of this crap now it's bill gates what is bill gates doing to our fruit what is bill gates plan for our fruit dr jane ruby 
Well, Owen, this guy has way too much money and way too much time on his hands, uh, and he's an evil person. Otherwise, it could be used for good. But he actually founded a company, and people tried to argue with me about this, but actually when you dig deeper, he founded a company called APEL, A-P-E-E-L. I want people to remember that name. Uh, it was it was technically founded by a WEF, you know, young, you know, up-and-coming darling named James Rogers in 2012. But James James got his first $100,000 grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and then thereafter, uh, Gates and Microsoft have funded over $110 million uh, in, in funds raised for this company. Now, it's not to be confused with some UK chemical company. This was going around social media for a while, yeah. and I need to correct it. It was some chemical cleaning fluid, right. unfortunately, of the same name. Yes. So people got- Same exact name. Okay, with like the patent and everything. So when it first came out, I had people emailing me about this and I'm like, I gotta wait until this is vetted further because it looks like they may be getting this confused with this other company and it looks to be something totally different. This other thing is definitely toxic, but it's not to be sprayed on foods. It was more like a cleaner, but no, it actually, and maybe this is the reason they picked the same name. So there would be this confusion. I mean, that would be something that Bill Gates would do. Confused, but nevertheless, it is definitely dangerous. This is a, f a fruit and vegetable coating, and let me warn you: it can't be rubbed off, washed off, scraped off, and it is. And it even if you just can't get rid of this stuff mm -hmm. and they're putting it in everything so prepared foods in your grocery stores so you think you're going to avoid it what do you think they're using they're using their own produce they're going to put it in pet food and of course our pets are little they have a smaller body surface area they're going to get sicker faster and die faster and that's what they want to do they just want to damage everybody so here's the here's the deal on APL. they claim it's innocent that it's made from the skins and the stems of fruits and vegetables what could be bad with that but they neglect to tell you owen they're made using trans fatty acids mono and diglycerides and what your body does is construct triglycerides with those in its most innocent form but those are the the kinds of glycerides that advance heart attacks and strokes, atherosclerosis, which is a you know co collection of fatty acids in the blood, in the blood, the lining of the blood, you know your vessels, which cause your heart attacks and strokes. So it's not innocent. And then the way they distill it is by using heavy chemicals and toxic materials that leave their residuals behind. So here's what happened recently: um, they APL partnered with a large lemon lime distributor called Limonera, okay? This company's stock was tanking. And what ended up happening is they've now got the sort of one of the major worldwide rights uh, with APL to spray millions of lemons and limes. And in fact, the CEO, Harold Edwards of, of this Lehman area, claims that his goal now, I'm sure it'll help his stock, but his goal is to spray every lemon in the world, Owen. Well, this is like, uh, people need to understand this. Yeah. If you have rats in your house, you want to get rid of the rats or, or cockroaches. You want to get rid of the cockroaches. And so you use poisons to get rid of the unwanted pests. That's, I feel like, how Bill Gates views the average person. That's how I think the political elite and that's how the globalists, World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab's types, 
that's how they view us, folks. We're the cockroaches. We're the pests that they're trying to get poisoned to die. That's how this feels to me. Now, there, there, there's two questions that I have that I want you to answer here in the last five minutes, and I'll just ask them to you now for the sake of time. One, why can't we wipe this stuff off fruit? What makes it impossible to wipe off? And then two, what I've noticed is all their new weapons seem to be well, going Oh, and this guy has hearts. way too much money. All their new weapons seem to be targeting mm -hmm. the hearts. Humans are not easy to kill. Have they learned that just all-out attack on the heart is the best way to try to wipe us out? Well, I'll take that question first. As a cardiac nurse practitioner, a specialist, uh, I can tell you that um, the, the heart, you know, the heart and lungs are really one system. But yes, if you damage the heart, I mean, think about it. Everything is dependent on your circulatory system and your heart is responsible for moving, uh, you know, blood, oxygen, nutrients, all kinds of things, healing elements, uh, lymph, uh, valuable lymph materials to keep you healthy through your system. So you attack the heart. You're going to disable people quickly and you're probably going to kill a lot of people. So it's very astute of you to, to make that connection. Uh, to the heart. Uh, but in general, I do think it's about taking people out. And I also think it's about disabling the rest of the population so that, you know, we wipe out the middle class, we wipe out all all that's beautiful about America, which is, you know, you know, working hard and creating our own value and wealth uh, and health on our own. They want us to be dependent. But getting back to the technical aspects of APL and why can't you wipe it off or wash it off? You know, that... The insight of that question is brilliant because when you think about it, that's intentional. If you really wanted to use something innocuous and safe, you would you would formulate it so that people would have a choice or they could peel it off. Maybe it's in a sort of a container that had that ability to prevent rotting, maybe that prevented oxidation and you know bruising and things like that. But no, we have a chemical here that is sprayed, literally liquid spray on, but it adheres to it most likely soaks into it, right? And we're sure. not stopping. Yeah. Let me let you know. They're not stopping at yeah, I mean, this is most likely penetrating through the whole fruit. I mean, it's just not getting the peel. Most likely they've engineered this, bioengineering this to be infiltrating and, and defiling the whole fruit. And limes and avocados. Those are the first. Now, some of them have labels on them. And the label, it, they're showing a picture of what it looks like. So you have an idea. Uh, you have to watch the video to see it. And it says APL, capital A-P-E-A-L. And then it has a like a picture of, I don't know, like a fruit thing and with a couple two little leaves. And it's on a white sticker. And the APL and the fruit itself are like green in color. And it's white in the middle of the um, fruit. So it has a really distinctive uh, little sticker. But granted, this <laughs> is... A lot of times they're probably not going to have the sticker if you're i would hope that this isn't not being done on anything organic um but i i you know at this point who knows first fruits and vegetables to be hit they are going to go after strawberries asparagus and when you you start to hit very delicate skins like yeah. strawberries oh, raspberries yeah. asparagus it's going in my friend oh, i mean yeah. it's 100 percent going in uh it might take a little bit longer with 
the peels of the peels by the way the peels of lemons and limes are incredibly valuable to yes, your health they are. there are people that uh that that have advised us you know freeze your lemons and limes and then just just shave those peels into your food because there's there there are health benefits to it mm-hmm. health maintenance yeah. benefits can't do that with oranges but particularly with lemons the peel itself the, the whole lemon you can just literally throw it in a like i i'll do a whole or a half lemon in the smoothies that i make organic and i wash them but um super i mean so good for you the limeline and the lemon peel itself that you're not going to get if you just eat just the juice um the pith which is the white part all of it's super beneficial uh, improvements if you're under cancer treatment. Uh, it, it's just absolutely amazing. So what they've done is they're kind of boxing us in. They're damaging the food, making you sick with this, you know, as you said, this new wonderful technology. Uh, and, and then and then not you know, precluding you from being able to protect yourself from it. So I say uh, don't t- get yourself off their grid. Get yourself off the dependence of these major you know, food producers and you know, these big box grocery stores. You've got options. Grow your own. Uh, you can grow them even inside your own environment, inside your own house, depending on, you know, you don't have to be in Florida or in the tropics. Uh, you can do a lot of different things. You can make friends with farmers and say, listen, I want direct from your field. I want to buy direct from your field. Those are the kinds of things that people should be doing now to yep. protect ourselves, Owen, so we can get through this period yep. uh, and, you so know, we I, can I, control them. Yeah, I would say just to expand on that, either befriend local farmers, get you know 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 who's like minded at your local farmers market, or like you said, just start growing your own stuff. It's easier than you might expect, especially with some of the new technology we have with hydroponics and aquaponics. Uh, I mean, even just a raised garden that gets like four or five hours of sunlight a day, you'd be amazed at how much produce you can get. Uh, so the food supply is completely under attack. Well, Dr. Jane Ruby, this has been an incredible hour with you. I thank you for your... Okay, so and along these same lines, this video is entitled, They're Putting Radiation in the Food. Well, they're irritating the food. They're, and they've been doing this for a long time. But it is good to at least be aware of if you weren't aware of this. This is a very short video. Let me tell you a secret, open secret, or well, a secret right in your face. So I actually put radiation in the pool. Now he's showing you two different pieces of fruit that have these radiation labels on there. So you need to watch the video to kind of see what he's talking about. What I want you to do, don't take my word for it. Find your favorite search engine. And it's the numbers EMP, electromagnetic pulse, 068, treated, it's a mango, it's a product of Mexico, it's treated by irradiation, which is they're irradiating the food, which is radiation. It's EMP-068. These are mangoes. I want you to put in a search engine, EMP-068. They're going to tell you. It's, it's been done for years. It's perfectly safe. They're going to tell you all of those things. Don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything that they say. They pesticides on all of your foods. That wasn't enough. Gas on all of your apples, but they don't even rot anymore. That's not enough. Now they're putting radiation in the food. No wonder there's... Well, they've been, and then now we have a peel. 
And then you have the glyphosate from Monsanto. And this is why it's so important. See, the, the problem is, is a, a lot of people are like, okay, just grow your own food. How are you going to grow a sitting? I mean, granted, yeah, you can buy small, like a lime tree. You can buy those. And I think that is great. Um, and that is something you probably could have in an apartment or, or a small house. True, I would be totally for it. But for some people, it is just not practical. Their time's incre incredibly limited. They're working. They're, um, you know, so try to put out the various options for you. Uh, Mike Adams has some really good vertical growing things you can do for your house that that is true and there are options out there um but obviously like buying organic ideally at a local farmer's market or or at a local health food store is probably is for a lot of people maybe the best they can do if they can even do that prostate cancer cervical cancer skin cancers all the cancers you can think of now I'm holding a irradiated food in my hand. What do you think that's going to do long-term to the food supply, to your system? That's why I tell people, grow your food, grow your vegetables, plant some fruit trees, because sooner or later, everything in this whole store, everything in this produce section, for you vegans out there, this food is going to be killing you if you're not growing your own. So do me a favor, share this with your family and friends. Let them be on the lookout. Now, all of these should have the stickers on them. But when you look, you can't find the stickers on all of these. But they should. So what they, they're allowed to put the sticker on them, so say, at the packing facility. And then if it falls off, oh, it's not our fault, the sticker fell off. Right. When actually they don't put the sticker on all of them. They're supposed to put stickers on each and every fruit that's radiated. They're not doing that. Sometimes you're going to find them, sometimes you're not. All of these are probably radiated, but only a couple of little stickers here and there that you're going to find. But now you're going to look out. Do me a favor, share this to your family and friends. Right? Try to help them. Share it on Facebook, share it on YouTube. Try to help them just to be on the lookout to try to make this world. So again, you know, big part of the ministry as a watchman just really giving my listeners as many heads up to the devices of satan so that they're not destroyed for lack of knowledge you know so we're not to be aware of satan's device or unaware of satan's devices lest he get an advantage of them lest we may be destroyed for lack of knowledge so again just like a little bit of information there Let's see here. Okay, now let's go ahead and go to the next one. So here's another one. Uh, this is on the bioengineered thing. You're, you're seeing that a lot now pop up on uh, things in the grocery stores. It, and it'll say, this product contains bioengineered ingredients. <laughs> and that sounds real bad. That's frankenfood. Okay, and... If you read labels, you will be, um, you may be very shocked to find that a lot of the foods that potentially you might be buying have that label. Um, again, if you're in a position where, you know, you're like, well, I, I couldn't avoid it. I would say you would want to do a good fiber with it. You can buy, um, fiber capsules, 
Um, I sell a colon capsule, uh, one that Biotics makes, which has some other things for the intestinal, and then also an activated charcoal can can actually, that's the best thing I know of for food poisoning and to bind up toxins in the system. So I understand sometimes it's unavoidable. I also like to offer practical solutions when you're in those situations. So I would do the fiber at the very beginning of the meal and the activated charcoal about halfway in. Okay, and um, you're going to you're going to bind up a lot of the bad stuff if you do that. I mean, how much of it percentage-wise? Well, I have no idea. But I know that activated charcoal is the number one thing that will prevent food poisoning. If you feel like you've been food poisoned, you get enough activated charcoal in you. Man, that stuff is amazing. Now, you can also use bentonite clay. That Standard Process used to make a bentonite clay tablet called Colacol 2. For some reason, they stopped making that. And I have not been able to find another clay tablet. Um, it's basically bentonite clay. I haven't been able to find another clay tablet. Now there, it does come, I think, in capsules. Um, some people can't do capsules. You know, they can't swallow them or whatever, but they can swallow tablets. So that's why I say that. But um, those are just some things. You should always have activated charcoal just in case, if, if for nothing else, you think you might have been food poisoned. Yeah, and, and it's in, very, very important if you travel to have some with you. Because you never know. You might be traveling or whatever and you get some bad food. You start feeling really, really bad. But well, you want to get that activated charcoal in you. And if you start feeling that way, you want to open up the capsules right into the mouth and swallow it with water. You don't even you want to get it in you as quick as you possibly can. And that stuff is amazing. And it's cheap. It's not very expensive, you know. Um Anyway, let's go ahead and listen to this one. Let me see here. All right, y'all, I just want to point something out to you. You guys can see here, this is the Great Value, which is Walmart, the wheat and honey bread. This is also a Walmart product that's made in store, okay? You see the, the words here, freshness guaranteed. What I want to point out to you is on the back here, you will see the words, contains a bioengineered food. Generally speaking, the bioengineered foods you're going to find in these things will be the wheat, the sugar, or if there's corn, corn. This one, though. Again, but I mean, you know, like I didn't really get a super good look at the label, but I mean, yeah, it's, it contains bioengineered ingredients, um, it, soybean oil, literally not fit for human consumption, okay, if it has soybean oil in it. I mean, th that is some nasty, horrible stuff. I've done whole teachings on how bad soybean is for you. It should not be consumed. Um, what I want to point out to you is on the back here. I understand sometimes it's it's inevitable. Um, I'm I'm only seeing the sugar, you know, soybean oil, and then it contains bioengineered. Probably the bioengineered ingredient is is the soybean oil. Okay, I can't see what the ingredients are above it, but we're talking. This is Franken food. You will see the words contains a bioengineered food. Generally speaking, and I wouldn't advise getting your bread or, or these types of things from Walmart anyway. Bioengineered food. Okay, so yeah, th that's probably the worst ingredient the soybean oil. You're going to find in these things will be the wheat, the sugar, or if there's corn, corn. This one, though, it is made fresh here in the store. If it's corn, it's, it's most likely potentially bioengineered and GMO at bare minimum and horrible for you so you want to know something that's going to pack the beef on you it's it's corn you ever hear the expression corn fed i mean i'm telling you there's a lot of truth behind that now listen i get it football season's right around the corner 
A lot of people are bulking up for football season. They're trying to, you know, maybe make that Chicago Bears line. They got openings. Maybe they're wanting to bulk up for football season. But for those of us not wanting to do that, I would try to probably avoid corn. Sorry, a little humor there. And it okay, so now this another one then. This is the one made in store by um, Walmart that doesn't have the bioengineered, but it has both canola and or soybean oil. So canola is another one that is not fit for human consumption. Um, canola and soybean together are like a, you know, death brew, essentially. It's all laden with synthetic vitamins and mono and diglycerides and probably a lot of stuff I could just do whole studies on but this one says it doesn't contain bioengineered ingredients whether that's the truth who knows you know as no bioengineered foods meaning this one is designed to go bad within a few days this is designed to last for weeks well on so the, what she's saying is the bioengineered is is the the reason and against the whole thing with appeal that uh, Bill Gates and his benevolence in um is giving us so that the fruits don't go bad and they they last a lot longer. Yes, they're franken food. Yes, they they're poisoning you and killing you and have bioengineered ingredients, but you know, it's going to last a lot longer. And pick the fresh every single time. Yeah, but again, that's it just shows you how little she actually knows. She's telling you to get a bread that has canola and soybean oil in it. At least the one didn't have canola. This one has canola and soybean. Yeah, I guess if I had a gun to my head and I had to pick, I would pick that one because it doesn't say bioengineered. But is that even the case? Who knows if they're labeling it properly? I don't know. I wouldn't pick either if I possibly could. I want to point out to you guys just how many things of frozen chicken are in this container, if you will. The one that still I can open on my own. There's no lock on it. There's no key. There's no code. There's no anything. You guys notice this here eight pound bag of Walmart chicken, chicken party wings, uh, flats and drumettes. Y'all, I need you to understand. The rollback price is $23.96. It used to be $33.28. They used to charge you $33.28 probably just a month ago um, for this same bag of chicken that is now $23.96. But two or three months ago, this thing was probably $12 or $14. Inflation is legit. Yeah. Now listen, I talked to you guys literally a couple months ago about how this price of eggs and this egg shortage was all just, just fake BS, honestly. It made absolutely no sense how all of a sudden eggs were just gone or how all of a sudden they needed to cost five times what they cost literally the week before. And I would come to Walmart and I would show you how the 60 count of eggs was going up from $10 to $14 to $19. You need to see what it costs now. Those same 60 eggs are now $6.02 and they are stacked three high, literally all the way down. You want to tell me that that shortage suddenly ended overnight? Again, BS. So here's the thing. We have been talking about all kinds of stuff over here. We've been talking about the East Palestine, Ohio, Norfolk Southern train accident. We've been talking about the explosions at Shell refinery plants. We've talked about where the water has gone from East Palestine, Ohio, whether it was Texas, whether it was Indiana, whether it was supposed to be um, Baltimore. We've talked about a lot of different things. We even talked about the new coating on foods, on the fruits and vegetables, the Appeal, Ed Appeal is what it's called. Appeal, is, Appeal Sciences is the company. Ed Appeal is the name of this new stuff they're putting on your fruits. Okay, and then that's what we just talked about. Vegetables to help them last longer because they're supposed to help with the 
oxygenation and the moisture when it comes to the fruits and vegetables. So basically... Well, they're preventing, supposedly, this APL, this invisible barrier is preventing the oxidation. That's the whole premise for by whereby which they're spraying it, but it's frankenfood now, and it's poison, and it's chemicals, and only God knows what it's going to do to you long term. Hold them in and keep them out at the same time so they don't go bad as quickly, right? But what we really need to talk about, and I've talked about it numerous times over the last year plus months on this channel, is what they are legitimately doing to our food in the labs. Listen, there's no articles here today. There's no anything else. This is me talking to you from Michelle to you guys. When you go out to the stores and you're looking at the products that you want to buy, that you want to take home and you want to feed your family, I really, truly, honestly hope you are reading the back of these packages. There are so many things these days, these processed foods that we all rely on for their convenience, for their flavor, for their ease of making, which is the same thing as convenience, I know it's redundant, um, for their price, because a lot of times it's so much cheaper to buy a box of, um, what is it, um, like Hamburger Helper or Stouffer's something or other or Marie Callender's whatever than it is to go out and buy all the individual fresh ingredients. It's a lot cheaper to buy it pre-made most of the time and it's a lot quicker to make the pre-made than it is to buy all those individual ingredients, take them home, clean them up, get them all separated, sure. cook them, all this other stuff. A lot of people these days don't have the time and the ability or even the patience for that. A lot of people don't have the money for that. But the problem is we are so, I want to say it's our fault in the long run for not not putting our foot down sooner when it comes to what we will spend our money on, what we are willing to eat, and things like that. Okay, so I, for some reason I cut it off at four seven. Typically I have a, a reason, I don't know if she cusses or whatever, but um, yeah, just some heads up there, more heads up about the food supply, okay? Things that you just may not be aware of that's going on with the food supply. Now, let's shift more into the um, whole COVID thing. And the next one is churches bribed with 13 billion to push the COVID death shot on pregnant women. And um, this is what we're gonna be looking at. Let's get right to it. Let's start out with Dr. James Thorpe. Dr. Dr. Thorpe, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Brandon, thank you very much for having me on here. Always great to see you again. Always great to have you on. Thank you for making time for us. All right. Well, it's been a few weeks since we've had you on. What's the latest? What's the latest? I, by the way, I do see where some of your clips before it looks like a congressional committee or something are going absolutely viral. Uh, you were talking about some rates and I guess the problems with the shot and the consequences. And those those clips are going viral on social media. Your name keeps popping up when I watch some social media clips. Well, good. I hope it's popping up for the corrupt, uh, the corrupt bastards at the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, who seem to be, according to the latest um, data that I have, and it's taken me a long time to get this. I didn't actually do it, but my beautiful bride and attorney, uh, Maggie Thorpe, J.D., uh, has had a FOIA request in to HHS and to CDC and to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And why I call them bastards is because they're evil people, and I will keep calling them out until they stop threatening and pushing the most lethal drug ever rolled out to the general population, 
and pushing it in pregnant women. Now, what we found on the FOIA, uh, what my beautiful bride Maggie found on the FOIA, is nothing short of bloody jaw-dropping. Um, everything that we thought and we had an inkling was going on two years ago, it's a hundred times worse than we thought. Mm. And Brandon, they redacted over 50% of the 1,400 pages that we got. And what we got is damning. Um, we have a timeline that uh, is undoubtedly, irrefutably accurate, and it's anchored in the Pfizer 5.3.6. It's anchored in date and time, 10 weeks, a legal mandated 12-week rollout, it was actually 10-week, and it was associated with more deaths 1,223 dead in 10 weeks. That's 122.3 dead per week. They knew that on February 28, 2021. The CDC, the FDA, the HHS, the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology knew it because I knew it. The American College of OBGYN had it. And the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine had it. So I'm a little bit angry at these people. So it just shows you the corruption and the evil and the wickedness is just ubiquitous across the board and they all know about it. Because at the end of the day, they're still pushing it. And on February 28, 2021, they all knew it was the deadliest drug ever rolled out in medicine. So what did they do? The honest thing to do- I'm assuming he's meaning the kill shot, the vaccine, COVID kill shot? oh, we made a mistake, let's show the American people this and let's drop it. Like they did in 1976 when there were only 26 deaths, like they did at the turn of the century with the, um, with, with the rotavirus vaccine, same thing as in the swine flu vaccine of 1976, except there were no deaths, only a dozen cases of uh, telescoping the bowel into susception, immediately withdrawn from the market. Brennan? Right. So what he's contrasting it with is that there were other times in history where there were deaths caused by vaccines and they immediately pulled these vaccines from the market. Now, those days are long gone. We can kill millions with our COVID kill shot and we're not going to pull anything and we're going to love every second of it. Blood is boiling and I'm really angry because these people instead of admitting it to the American population, the global population of the most vulnerable patients around the world, my pregnant patients, what did they do? Did they fess up and tell the truth? No. They rolled out a $13 billion bribe campaign, a PSYOPs, knowing that it was the deadliest drug ever rolled out in medicine. So what do they do? They push it on pregnant women. Why did they push it on pregnant women? Well, first of all, uh, they rolled out through the COVID-19 Coalition Corps, $13 billion bribing 298 sectors of the American society. And when they took the blood money, they weren't allowed to deviate. They were not allowed to deviate yeah. from the deadly drug and the deadly HHS and the deadly Pfizer and the deadly CDC narrative. That's right. Yep. And they still can't back out of it. They still can't come out and say, stop it. They're still, to this very day, pushing the most dangerous 
the most lethal drug in the most vulnerable population in pregnancy. I won't stop. The most lethal and deadly drug pushed onto pregnant women. And, and really, and it's a bioweapon, but yeah. You're saying it was $13 billion. Now, what? how were they using this $13 billion? Well, they used it to bribe 298 sectors in 12 different categories of the entire society of the United States of America. I can show you. Oh, sorry. All of that. But it's it's um, and, and on that target were uh, were faith leaders, mm. churches, Christian churches. So the target, one of the main targets was the faith leaders, 501c3 institutions already yoked up with the government already to behold into the government that gave them their right to exist um you know so long as they abide by all the irs charters and and they're a good boy and they don't say anything too out of the lines of whatever their parameters are and i'm not saying there's not churches that don't that that abide by everything single thing that whatever but if you go to the government to get a benefit like your 501c3 tax-exempt status you know they're going to require things of you and so they're already on the plantation they're already on that train leading us to the new world order which is the 501c3 tax-exempt corporate system that the first church of satan is on as well and all the other cults that have those same benefits again no bible for any of this there is no bible at all in the New or the Old Testament, ever telling a church to yoke up and go to the government to get their right to exist as a ministry. Show me one place. It doesn't exist. I mean, the apostles and Jesus Christ died largely, by and large, resisting what the government edicts and mandates were. And they surely would have died over if the government said, well, you can only preach on the street if you come to the government to get your license to preach and you have and it has to you know, be vetted by us or something like that they would have that would have been a a, a um, one of the many reasons they would have died or become martyrs but no no it's no big deal let's just yoke up with the government and you know and the thing is is what i don't emphasize enough is what is happening to a ministry on a spiritual level when they do that that's the thing you have to really ask yourself. Because you could say, oh, it's in a, I can go in there and preach whatever I want. I can appease the government. I can take my 501c3. It's not affecting me spiritually. Oh, yeah? Well, I think when it's all said and done about all the rigmarole that we all go through in, in life and everything else, we're going to be really amazed at how many bondages of Satan that he might have had all of us to various various degrees and because satan is the most subtle beast of the field and he's very good at what he does and i think it's more prevalent now than it has ever been and i think that is a gigantic reason why we see the church doing things like this and having no consciousness about it thinking that they're doing god's service telling their parishioners to take the covid kill shot for instance or mask up or social distance and go along with all the satanic mandates the church was a gigantic part of what made this happen. They could have been salt and light. They could have been a force for good in change. No, no. They chose, by and large, for the most part, in the main, the majority of them, to go along with whatever the satanic 
government that wants to kill you, depopulate you, and, and defile you with this whole COVID agenda, defiling your DNA with the kill shots. They chose to go along with that and tell their parishioners to go along with it. A lot of blood on a lot of hands. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but man, I, wow. You didn't hear that from me. And I've never, I've never taken any of those, whatever. I've never yoked up with the government in any way, shape, or form along any ministerial lines ever. Nor will I. I, I the Lord showed me that a long time ago. You don't want to mess around with that. And um, now I'm not saying it better. I'm not saying whatever. It's not about that at all. I just, it just seems to me very biblically logical to do such a thing. Just don't do that. Don't, don't yoke up with the wicked government in any way, shape, or form. Calvary Chapel is a big one. All the denominations, the Catholic Church. Sure. Calvary Chapel is a big one. Oh, yeah. Wait, I want to stop there because I'm very I'm familiar sure. with Calvary Chapels. I've spoken yeah. at some of their churches. Are you yeah, telling so me? I. Are you telling me that some of the Calvary churches got some of the thirteen yes. billion dollars? Yes. Yes. I could do a five-part teaching on the Calvary churches, their lukewarmness, and this kind of garbage. And again, this is what happens ultimately. You're going to have to choose whom you're going to serve. You're going to have to. You can't serve two masters. Yes. To push to push the COVID shot. Yes. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Yeah. Can you can you help us find out which Calvary churches so everybody can oh, know man. and quit attending such churches? Because I think that's not a church any longer. But <laughs> again, these people don't see things, especially this Brandon guy, they don't see things things through the lens I just presented you. Because there are they probably are five oh one C. They probably are yoked up with the government. They probably are that. So they don't see things the way I present things to you regarding this matter. Um, it's just normal. The cemeteries brainwash the pastors into thinking that this is the way you do things. When it was a trap from the very beginning, set by the government to, to, to get the churches and the cemeteries went on board. I mean, the seminaries went on board with this and started teaching it to their pastors and these types of people that they were graduating and then they went in and they dutifully got their 501c3 and you know that's what happened and it's been going on for a very it's been going on like since the 1940s this has been this trap so you can write stuff off on your taxes and the irs won't bother you and maybe you can get subsidies again if you're not familiar with this just key in 501c3 in the keyword search box. I've done many, many studies on this subject. It's it's too vast of a subject for me to just cursory cover real quickly. And I've got the PDFs and the supporting documentation to prove what I'm saying. Biblical That's definition. Correct. That's correct. Those are not churches run That's by pastors. Those are not churches run by pastors. Those would be, in my opinion, theologically speaking, those are businesses run by hirelings, as Jesus would call them in John 10, yeah, that just yeah. allowed the sheep to be poisoned for their own financial gain, yeah. if what I'm hearing from you is correct. Yeah. Well, that was the norm, though. That was the norm. You, you go into their system, you play by their rules. You know, so that was the absolute total norm and still is. It is correct. It's proven. It's absolutely 100% correct. How much money are we talking? And, and do you know which Calvary Ch Chapel churches took this money? 
Yes, they're, they're on the website. You can uh, you can go to the website. You can go to at Maggie underscore Thorpe, and you can see all the 298 sectors. I can I can pull them up for you right now. You yeah, want. do it. At, it, it, it. When you say at Maggie, is this a, is now is that the website? At Twitter. That's Twitter. Okay, go to Twitter. Okay, and then what is her handle? It's at capital M A G G I E underscore Thorpe T H O R P. And uh, she's got all of her stuff on there. Let me just say my screen sharing. Oh wow! Here we go. All right, yeah. Go, okay, that's me. But where, where do I, we? Or you can do it. Where do I need to go down? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh my. Two hundred thirty-nine new reports. CDC was sitting for two years before telling us. Do we still have a problem? So you're saying if we click on this, what? We're seeing Moderna, Moderna, Pfizer, Moderna. Okay. Where do, if, if you let me share the screen. Yeah, I'll do it. Let him, let, him, let him have, do a screen share with him so he can show us, please. Going to take a second. All right, well, you guys do that. I'm disabled, yeah. Yeah, they're going to do that while I keep looking through your uh, wife's Twitter feed here, which is, by the way, just for those of you wanting to get this Twitter feed, it is, again, her Twitter feed is, let me go back here. It is at Maggie, M-I-G-G-I-E underscore Thorpe, P-H-O-R-P, where she has posted a lot of this. Alert, alert, alert. Baby experiments. Is this legal? Wow. And your wife's also an attorney, huh? She's an attorney, and she's a, uh, she's a uh, got a master's in uh, pastoral theology from Duke University. Mm. Again, you know, the disconnect women preachers and she's got her whatever anyway again see my teaching what women can do for the lord it's not it's not a uh, chauvinistic it's just what the bible says so again you understand the frame of reference here so bear that in mind and she, she's also an incredible athlete she was in the u.s tennis open when she was 16 years old oh wow now we're going to try to get this screen share working, but do you know of any, how about the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest Protestant denomination in America, the Southern Baptist Convention, any of their churches take this money to push the death shot? I don't want to, I don't want to say, but here's the, uh, I, I, here are the faith leaders. There's more faith leaders and I'm, uh, uh, let's see, AME Church, Alliance. All the congregations were in on this. Baptist, AME Zon Church. America, uh, indivisible. American Baptist Church. I have reported on this subject so many times in regard to the COVID agenda. Different factions of this subject. This is just one area. How the 501c3 corporate U.S. churches were used mightily during the COVID scamdemic to push every aspect of the COVID kill shot agenda, including the shots on their members okay so this is just one aspect of that that's it's multifaceted american union pacific health professionals archbishop of it's there's 298 of these on, on the screen so it's hard to see association of catholic colleges and university um association of neighbor it goes on and on and on what, what what's the date and on, on her twitter feed do you know the date where she released that so i can maybe scroll through and find that um you know i don't uh 
I don't. Okay, he's got. A, uh, he, he said they just opened you up for screen share. We'll let you show us. Okay. If this works here, folks, right. hang with us. This is really devastating. By the way, you know, Dr. Thorpe, this fits with what I put in my book, Marxianity. In my book, Marxianity, that came out in November 2018, I talk about all the church denominations that were taking money from the federal government to be a part of bringing illegals into America. The, the, the wow. churches and church denominations were paying, being paid massive amounts of money to be a part of that. Okay, now there we go. We got the screen share going. Show us what we're seeing. Well, the, these are all the uh, two. First of all, if I go back here, you'll see these are the 12 different categories. Now, this is exactly how this $13 billion psyops, fifth generation warfare is what it is. They knew it was the deadliest drug ever rolled out in the history of medicine, and they lied to the American people. And uh, ACOG, ABOG, and SNFM are still lying. They're not able to get out of their contract. A American College of OBGYN took way over north of $11 million we can document. And when we get the rest of those, uh, God willing, we get the rest of that uh, FOIA that was uh, blacked out, it's probably going to be a lot more than that. And for that $11 million, they swore an oath, a, a financial a business contract with HHS and CDC and said, we will not deviate. We will continue to do exactly what you tell us to do. We won't deviate from your narrative. And if they do, they have to pay all the money back. Mm. They can't pay the money back. Wow. They spend it all. Yeah. They're laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. They pressured all of their constituents into putting... And so are the churches. And, and again, it's, it's easy to see why Jesus said the love of money is the root of all evil. And they are hirelings because they have no true, true love for their flock. A hireling's doing it for the hire, the money. And they, you know... These churches that push this are hirelings at bare minimum, if not wolves in sheep's clothing. And then we're not even talking about the FEMA clergy response teams. The, the, the clergy that undercover covertly are yoked up with FEMA and Homeland Security and are basically uh, like spies on their own congregation, compiling information and data mining them. Just key in clergy response teams. If you want to know more about that, I'm in the keyword search box. At I mean, we're talking betrayal on levels that is pretty tough to comprehend. All under the name of Christianity. This lethal, deadly narrative that this dangerous, experimental gene therapy in pregnancy is necessary, it's safe, and it's effective. And all three of those were big lies. They've killed a lot of people. So in these 12, I think these are, they're not alphabetical order. I think they are in order of decreasing amounts of grant size, money size. And then um, you see the 25 of 298. That means um, in the public health and medical organizations, which I suspect was the largest uh, uh, single category of granted monies. 25, there were 25 uh influences organizations in there and um but you go down here to the faith leaders there were 87 in not not just churches but individual pastors too uh 87 29 so the next slide here represents all of the 298 uh individuals and organizations that received the blood money to push 
the narrative that the deadliest drug ever rolled out was safe, effective, and necessary in pregnancy. In pregnancy, Brandon. So uh, they're looking maximum, maximum carnage. I'm gonna. I was gonna play a little bit more, but I really want to get in these last two points here. Um, And again, this—it's a whole interview. I give you the link if you want to hear the whole thing. U.S. Postal Carrier. Um, 19 people have died on my mail route in the last four months. A U.S. Postal Carrier has released a video explaining that on her route of 460 homes, it is an average for one or two people to die each year. So out of 460 homes. But in the last four months, just the last four months, not the year, 19 people on her route have died. She thinks it's the vac. So let's go ahead and listen to her. Hey, guys. Do you remember a couple years ago, um, and pretty much like over the last two years, there's been a lot of talk and videos and like data coming out about people who took the job. Um, depending on the potency of the job that you got, um, we're going to start dying. Um, people have been making videos about it, dropping like flies, a lot of professionals. Um, 19 people have died on my route. 19 people in the last four months. It's normal for one or two to go in, a, in about a year period of time. Um, I have 460 homes. She's clearly sitting in like a mail truck. She's wearing postal uniform. She looks very like she, I don't know, she's not just making this up. On my route, which means that I have um, on average four people per home do the math. It's a lot. Um, so one or two a year is pretty average. But to have 19 people die on my route in the last four months. Maybe there's some truth to this, you guys. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Because I'm freaking out. Some of my favorite people have died. Yep. Yep. Guys, it's that's how you're going to get truth when it comes to this. Because they're going to suppress this type of stuff on the news. They're going to act like, you know, there's nothing going on. I, I want to address this uh, as well. And I understand. Rashid Buttar is one of the, the, the freedom doctors. And I get that. He's not a Christian. I, I get that. I understand that. Um, the, the whole great awakening freedom doctor thing. Okay. So I acknowledge that, but I'm not, you know, this has been going on a long time as far as killing alternative doctors and these types of things. Dr. Rashid Buttar dies suddenly. Any vax doctor who exposed the COVID kill shot claims poisoning days after mysterious death, right after his CNN interview where he was defamed. Okay. So let's listen to this. Rashid Buttar was a good friend of this program. He has been on the program before. He was a formidable fighter against medical tyranny. He was also a strong believer in what we will call the venom theory. That's the hypothesis that COVID itself was caused by snake venom poisoning rather than a virus. Yeah, I'm not I'm not an adherent of that. I've got a whole file. I've I've addressed that before. Nonetheless, I still want to cover I want to cover this. And yes, that the so-called vaccines that now deploy I'm not saying there could it be a component of venom but to put all our eggs in that one basket and say this is when there's all these other proofs out there that there's that the shots kill you in a multitude of ways it's not just venom there's a lot of different stuff that goes there's nanotechnology there's the um uh graphene oxide there's the spike proteins there's a lot of different there's the whole clotting factor there's the whole how that happens in the blood there, there's a lot of different aspects to this shot there's the there's the 12 digit alphanumeric code that's registering on bluetooth uh with the nanotechnology that's self-assembling in the body okay so again that's why i say that but let's go ahead 
weapon of biowarfare contains snake venom as well. We mention all of that, by the way, of background, because over the weekend, Dr. Batard died suddenly. Well, we know that the doctor wasn't vaccinated, so what else explains him just dropping dead abruptly in mysterious circumstances? The only answer that we have... Well, he was probably vaccinated, but just not with this one. I mean, because he's he's an MD. Um, Anyway. We just don't know. Some reports suggest that he died from a stroke. Others say that he may have been poisoned. And, you know, that's very interesting because as it happens, in an interview not long before his death... Dr. Batar said that he had been poisoned at least once before. I went through a very difficult personal health challenge a few months. I was in the ICU. I had been poisoned with this 200 times the amount of what's in the vaccinations. And I've said publicly. I don't know how he could have possibly known that um, in that exact number. But OK, we'll take him at his word. You know, you'd have to shoot me in the head with lead, um, i.e. a bullet, because I'm never going to take the vaccine. So. Now, there are other concepts out there worth thinking about. Even several decades ago, the CIA was hard at work on a heart attack gun that used shellfish venom to cause sudden heart failure in the target. And this isn't some strange, wild, whacked out, weird conspiracy theory. No, there was actually literally a congressional hearing about this heart attack gun. Now, Dr. Brian Artis has already announced that he plans to review a toxicology report on Dr. Batar's death. We're eager to learn what that report says. Dr. Tal Braun is a U.S. national counterterrorism advisor and trainer. Dr. Braun is also a believer in the snake venom theory and also believes that the fibrous clots described in our film Died Suddenly are being caused by snake venom poisoning. And he joins us now. Dr. Braun, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate you being here. My pleasure, Stu. Um, what, what a sense. Well, it's just all snake venom. That's, that's the only component I get. Is, that's it. I mean, this is why this is the kind of stuff, if you ask me, is what would discredit this movement. Something like this. Uh, putting all of our eggs in that one basket, just throwing the snake venom thing out there. It just, there's so much science. There's so many people that have done live blood cell analysis um, of what's in the, what's in the vaccine ampules. um, What's actually after they've been um, just allowed to go to room temperature, the actual live blood cell analysis of the blood that's been done on people that have been COVID vaxxed. And again, most of that does not lend itself to snake venom. Okay. There's other technologies and things at play within the shot. So again, it's why I've, why I have distanced myself from that. I'm, this is uh, what a loss to the world. Um, I, I recently um, had become uh, started, introduced to and started becoming a friend of of, uh, of Rashid, uh, Dr. Batar. And um, he, he had one of those personalities where you felt completely loved by him the minute you were interacting with him. Um, I think it's a huge loss to the world, both in terms of him being somebody that was a truth teller, somebody that was absolutely dedicated towards humanity. And I think crucial during this time, I think one of the things that I've been seeing on my uh, social media is just how many people say he was the person that made them skeptical um, of this entire bioweapon attack from the beginning. It was him. He opened the eyes. He spoke in a rational, methodical, truthful way. And and, uh, and, and he was believable. And a lot of, he saved a lot of lives like that. I think a lot of people made decisions not to take the vaccine. 
I think a lot of people have been following his work. He's been running a meditation, which is crucial at this time. Yeah. It's he, wasn't, he was not a Christian, okay? And, and again, God bless the guy. He did seem like a very nice person, but what shall a prophet of man, you know, if, if, he's, if he puts out all this truth, but ultimately goes to hell or isn't pointing people to the ultimate truth through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his finished work on the cross, through his shed blood. See, the end of the... It, the end of this life, that's the real that's really the only thing that's really going to matter. I mean, it's not the only thing, but it will be the main thing that matters. Okay. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I pray to God he got saved before he died. I don't know. Probably sad. Um in, in terms of in terms of his death, I want to be um, a completely appropriate and respectful to his family um, and to his loved ones. In that, um, you know, let them be the people over over the course of time now to release more information. Whether an autopsy is being done and toxicology reports, it, facts are going to be crucial in this case. But to review what we know is that when a man says that they are they have been poisoned, and when they land up in ICU for six days. We should believe them. Um, you know, these are not things that people just throw around easily. When somebody says, I, I don't know, I, more than uh, a handful of people that I've ever encountered in hospital settings, um, in prison settings that have said to me, I was poisoned and I suffered the consequences. Um, I think that he was trying to approach this in a very level-headed way. I don't believe that he wanted to believe that he was a target, even though I leave room for that. Um, my, my understanding of this pandemic has been deeply shaped by me growing up in South Africa. I was a child, um, uh, I was born in the 70s, and then I was a child of the 80s during the most um, violent time in South Africa and a time where there were heavily governance-sanctioned assassinations and it was only in the uh, uh, truth and reconciliation commissions that were held after apartheid fell that the truth about these assassinations came out people were poisoned uh, people were um, taken out through uh, um, uh, car accidents that looked like they were you know real real accidents um, people were shot people were taken out into fields and that people knew that this was going on but nothing was provable until the truth got out so I I've sort of um, shaped and I am guided by the fact that when you have very, very high-level people um, and they have huge influence, and I don't mean to create any fear for you, Stu. I know that you've got a deep background in this work, and I know that you've got really good situational awareness. All of us that are being outspoken, all of us that have a huge uh, influence, we know we know the threat. We, 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 know, we know that we have to have our head on a swivel stick, and we know that we've got to really look, watch our backs, but we have to leave room for the fact that there can be some deep, nefarious activity. The last point I want to make about about that in terms of why we'd be targets is that we are living in a time where a non-profit organization that is uk based that has an office in, in washington dc that is supposed to be dispelling information about digital hate he put they put the ceo and the team of people from that organization uh the center for i think it's countering digital hate um they put dr uh, batar on a hit list they, they literally, uh, not only um, internally, you know, if they wanted to release this information, uh, let's say to the CDC or to other concerned entities, that information should be confidential. What they did is they put a hit list together and then they publicized that in mainstream media, which starts leaving room for the fact that it could have even been a member of the public 
um, that try to take out Buttar. Well, we may never know. That's the sad part about the situation. When Dr. Pitar spoke, um, you know, you can really sense authenticity and, and that somebody is really convicted in what they're saying and that they're leaving everything on the table, that they're not holding back anything. Uh, you may have seen the same thing when BBC tried to do a hit piece on me. I was on the Alex Jones show the other day. Yeah, he came off as incredibly professional and um, sincere. Um so I mean I want to convey that I mean yeah I mean he he looked like a really good good guy. I just I will go anywhere and say the message of truth because the truth will vindicate you a hundred percent of the time, even if it is hard to believe, even if it's against the grain, even if it's not politically correct, even if it means not showing support for a populist candidate uh, because you have objections to some of their policies or some of the things that they're doing, even when you're attacked relentlessly for doing that, you have to say, stay steadfast in the truth. And I believe that Dr. Batar was doing that, which is what made him an enemy of the state, because <clears throat> the truth is the greatest weapon against the empire of lies. Absolutely. It is the only it, uh, the, the truth as as uh, ironically in the old CIA building, they had it um, right on their um, in on their wall, engraved on their wall. The truth will set us free. And and and, and the only only the CIA would really realize that um, the, 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 the narrative gets to the point where it's so controlled that to find points of certainty is the only anchor you can have to stay sane, to say uh, to stay safe. Um, I, you know, people ask me about my experience through this um, in terms of uh, understanding that when you when you are giving out credible information and you're a critical, credible person like Dr. Buttar was, the threat increases when your show dropped uh, about the venom. Um, and then I think um, uh, Dr. Artis followed up with an interview with me. I think it was the next day that there were agents on my property. Now, it starts playing head games with you because were those agents on my property uh, coincidentally? Uh, were they looking for somebody else? I just walked straight up to them and I said, you're looking for me? And they said no. And then I smiled and I went on my business. But it starts playing, it starts, the head game of it is pretty severe because you really you really do not know where the threat would come from. And in this case, what, what uh, Dr. Batar was also saying is that when he landed up in, um, in ICU, um, he had had a stroke. Uh, he had heart issues. Um, in my opinion, more than likely, the drive of trying to put this conference together at a time where he was um, uh, supposed to be resting up or even potentially getting uh, a surgery may have taken him over the edge. Uh, in terms of pushing through. There's a warning in here as well that I think becomes crucial. Besides all of the, the sort of um, paranoia that this can create, I'm a solutions-based person. What I've been trying to, the two main things that are um, attached to venom that are crucial for people to understand is that adrenaline increases clotting. And so this bioweapon is more than likely in all of us. This is a ubiquitous protein that is now everywhere. Shedding is real. I cannot stand the fact that virologists and vaccinologists and biologists with, uh, with any level of, uh, of um, you know, um, high level of, of expertise, I cannot uh, understand why they would lie to the public and not explain that when you introduce a toxin to the body, the body starts producing other toxins and those toxins leave the body and can make somebody sick.
That's called shedding. And so when this protein is now around, I think that um, people should uh, have a, a good intuition in terms of trusting their body. There's still a lot of people that were hurt by uh, from this, um, either through vaccine or through shedding, and that they've been exercise avoidant. They can feel it. They can intuitively know that they don't want to um, uh, push themselves too far. There seems to be a part to it that is performance anxiety related as well. Um, I know of, of, uh, of uh, people that have had heart attacks um, and they've been fine during training and then during the testing stage or during a competition that's when something happens to them there seems to be a part to this where it's adrenaline and endorphin based and it increases clotting and so we really we really need to um, understand that and people um, I want to I want to urgently tell people that just like I used to encourage people uh, for active attacker type situations to learn how to put in a tourniquet people need to know, to watch and learn how to tell the signs of a stroke and they need to be able to watch and, and learn the signs of things like a heart attack because they're going to become more frequent. We are all under attack. People are being murdered, whether it's purposefully or whether they are now a side effect of this bioweapon. And, and a big, I, I think the best thing as far as if there was a supplement you could take that would counteract that, the clotting, the coagulation of the blood, the relay formation, the blood cells, this... Um, in regard to that, that's it's definitely natokinase, um, which has been used since antiquity. You know, it's just a it's just an enzyme that they derive from soy. Now, it's not soy, but it's an enzyme that in the Orient they've used from antiquity to naturally thin the blood. It's one of the best things to break down blood clots. I know. Of. Now, if you had somebody with the kill shot and they had those Franken clots, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it could break down those. Maybe if you were taking it at the time of the shot, it would be able to prevent it. I don't know if it can actually break down one of these three footers that get into people. And, you know, it, Stu Peters just released another video about that. I don't I don't know, but um, it sure couldn't hurt. Uh, all right, so I'm running out of time here. Um, CNN, more like a C, more like an assass, CNN nation, like a assassination from cnn a warrior for truth dr buttar dies after suspicious and hostile interview i'm gonna play this quick video here i'm almost out of time so i gotta get going here dr rashid buttar who spoke at narcopoco not this year but last year but we got word that uh rashid buttar died in the last few days so one of many sort of Rest in peace and condolences from Anarchapoco. Like I said, it seems like almost every year at least one of our speakers gets killed by the government. And it really does look like that's the case with yeah. Dr. This Bo has been going on for years. I've reported on it. Alternative doctors killing them off. Um, this is the dollar vigilante guy that evidently has seminars where he'll bring these doctors in, this type of stuff. Are. He even put out, he talked in an interview just... I think a few days ago, at most maybe a month or two ago, I, I think it happened a month or two ago, or maybe more, and he just talked about it recently, about how he got invited to speak at CNN, which is like one of the most evil organizations on earth. Oh, come on. That's and, just mean. Uh, of course, in the interview, the, the CNN guy's like, you're crazy. I think you're crazy. I mean, the, the CDC's own data is showing that now. That's just not true. I don't want to be part of this mass genocide 
that I see happening. And I think that what's going on right now will be remembered as a worst time in history compared to what World War II happened. I just want to be straight with you. I think you're crazy. So this is the scum, the reptilian scum at CNN that's interviewing him. And right after this, guess what? He's dead. Dr. Buttar. Okay. So, you know, and Taylor was like, oh, I want to see the interview. I'm like, Taylor, I got a feeling it's going to be horrible, highly edited. They're going to defame the guy. They're going to, they're going to do every single slimy, lowbrow, satanic thing to paint this guy in the worst possible way. They're going to highly edit the, and it's exactly what I said. Exactly. And, um, you know, there, so, so you're only, you know, if you watch the CNN interview, please bear that in mind. But Dr. Buttar said that right after that, and I, I might not have all the details totally correct, that he got injected with something or they did something after the CNN interview and he ended up in the in the ICU the intensive care unit and he says what they injected him with was like 200 times the amount of all the uh, poisonous stuff that's in the boosters but uh, highly highly suspicious especially considering joe biden even named rashid buttar as one of the most dangerous people in the in america right. as part of the so-called disinformation dozen yeah that's true that's true so he was on their hit list uh literally public public enemy uh number you know out of the 12 disinformation dozen and so they had a lot of reasons they wanted to kill this guy Okay, so I'm going to try to get this last little part in here about this. This is Mike Adams talking about this. ...to happen, but I want to read for you from Sayerji's site, Green Med Info, that uh, talks about Dr. Batar. And Sayer, who is also a fellow warrior and freedom fighter in this space, says, quote, I will cherish these conversations and Rashid's incredibly sincere spirit and know that while his life has been cut short... He helped make this world a safer, better place for all of us through his good works. Uh, then he goes on to answer the question of uh, why. Why did Dr. Buttar pass at such a young age? Uh, he was only, what, 50, 56 or, or thereabouts. Uh, Sayer writes, due to rumors circulating and the many questions I have received as to the cause of his passing, I wish to share the last publicly recorded discussion we had, where Rashid wanted the world to know the details surrounding the sudden decline of his health. Uh, for the record, Rashid reached out to me on February 18th, so a few months ago, and explained that only a few weeks before, he was in the ICU for six days with a diagnosis of both stroke and myocarditis with symptoms and biomarkers consistent with adverse effects from the mRNA jabs, which, of course, he did not take. Uh, as you will see in this video, he believed that he was experiencing the result of shedding, uh, also, quote, self-amplifying properties from the transgenic mRNA <clears throat> jabs. 
so this there's an interview that Sayer has posted that was conducted on March 13th that include Dr. Joel Bomir and uh, Dr. Batar and Ty Bollinger. And they were all exposing the censorship industrial establishment. In fact, that's the title of that video, the censorship industrial establishment exposed. So there is a big pharma run, deep state government run, you know, censorship regime that singles out individuals like Sayer and Ty Bollinger and Dr. Buttar and myself and others to try to utterly silence them and silence their impact because we save lives. And the establishment is, of course, working incessantly to exterminate human lives, as we've talked about uh, many times. Uh, but as Sayer writes here, ultimately, Rashid's life and work is to be celebrated no matter what the circumstances of his passing. You will be missed, my friend, but I know many of us will continue forward the spirit of your work long into the future, which is the greatest tribute that we can make to you when it is all said and done. So I would like to, of course, add to that. And uh, I, I, I guess I should start out by saying up front that uh, there, there's no question in my mind that there are uh, bioweapons that have been created by the, well, let's say the, the, the bioweapons industrial complex, right? The, with the help of Fauci, and the NIH and the DOD and, and so on. And uh, if you think SARS-CoV-2 was the only weapon they created, I think again, they've been hard at work at this for decades and they have a freezer full of other biological weapons. And as best I can tell, uh, they take some of these weapons and they, they deploy them against individuals uh, sometimes at public speaking events and other times perhaps in other nefarious ways. Some of these can be uh, contact agents, you know, certain types of, of proteins, for example, can of course go right through the skin. And so an individual can be uh, tracked and followed and uh, these weapons, bioweapons, can be uh, sprayed on their doorknobs or car door handles or, you know, water bottles or, or what have you or their food can be tainted, or their hotel room can be sprayed with this. So what they can do is they can uh, follow somebody at a public speaking event who's staying at a hotel, uh, follow them back, identify their room, uh, of course, easily enter the room by forcing the hotel to comply with the deep state. And then they enter the hotel room and they just spray the whole room with all the bioweapons while they're holding their own breath. And then they just exit and wait for the person to go in and uh, uh, soak up all the bioweapons in the room and get sick and die. And I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen. And, and this just as a warning, if you stay at a hotel, you need to like look at the hotel room that you're in almost like it's been sprayed. And I, I, the reason I'm saying that is think about this. What, what about the... I don't know, the 10 people before you that stayed in that room. And I understand, you know, well, okay, if they wash the sheets, what if that's not being done right? Normally they don't wash the bedspreads. What about the carpet? What about the other things? What about the other surfaces that aren't being treated? Uh, what about the particulates caught in the air conditioning that can be then put out into the room? Okay, and it's, it's a good idea if you do a lot of, especially if you do a lot of traveling or even if you don't, if you're going to be doing this to, you know, go in there and I mean, even something like orange spray, like citrus orange spray, 
can be used. You can use the Thieves. Uh, if you want it like the do-it-yourself one that I've talked about, the Thieves spray with the essential oils. These are things that you can use to spray kind of the room with. I would also spray the sheets that you're going to be sleeping between. I would spray, and I, I, you know, I know for a lot of people, they're like, oh, come on, give me a break on that. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, if you want to be on the safe side with the vaccine shedding, with the things that are probably waiting for you dormant in most of these rooms because a lot of the people have gotten the kill shots you can spray the filters the first thing i'll typically do if i go into a hotel room is i'll pull the filters in the ac unit it's real easy they can pull them right out and they're usually caked with dust okay all that dust can hold um a lot of the shedding disease particulates things of this nature that can be reintroduced into the air supply i will typically take those into the shower and wash them out um and then ideally spray them with maybe some thieves or the orange spray something that's going to kill the germs and you know you can spray the overall spray the carpet the bed spreads everything that i said okay um obviously you having a very highly functioning immune system is the main thing okay you want to rely on that but also the things like from um the triad air that we've talked about i don't have any financial interest in them but they've got a one of those plug-in room um, kind of sanitizes the air. It's not the big unit, the whole house, but you can take the one that you plug into the wall or they've even got one you can put in your car. Um, you can use that in your car. You can even use that in the hotel room. I don't really think it's enough to really treat a whole hotel room, but that's another thing you can put in there, keep it running while you're in there to treat the air. Um, you know... If you're worried about any of this stuff happening, make sure you're hanging the thing outside your door and saying, you know, do not disturb, that type of stuff. Well, unless, you know, and I know I sound like I could be being a paranoid, but some of this is just good practice to do because you have to assume that a lot of people that maybe took, you know, two or three COVID shots and all the boosters have been staying in there and they've been shedding and shedding and shedding and that's been going into the into the mattress, in into the bedspreads, into the carpet, uh, into the AC unit. You, I mean, that, that's not far-fetched at all, what I'm telling you. So, something to think about that, you know, that you might want to avail yourself to. Okay, I'm just about out of time on here, so I'm going to try to get this last part in. More than once, and there are uh, people in the health freedom movement who have lost fathers and mothers and loved ones uh, because uh, they were at certain events that were targeted with certain types of uh, right. sometimes aerosolized bioweapons and uh, in other cases specific individuals were targeted uh, i know of several people who were severely sickened uh, because they were targeted in such a manner uh, some of whom barely survived i mean they thought they were going to die for like two weeks straight and through the help of natural medicine, they were able to pull through. They, a, a normal person would have died. You know, a person that's hopped up on pharmaceuticals and, and whatever would have died. Okay, so that's all we have for today. That goes to about the 25-minute mark if you want to avail yourself to the rest. Also, the most important thing I failed to mention that is prayer. Wherever you go in these types of scenarios, praying over the space that you're in, um, praying that God would neutralize, you know, any bioweapons toxins poisons that you may be exposed to uh, bacteria viruses fungus these types of things any nano weapons uh, part of that's part of the, the the prayer that 
the main current event prayer that I post every third teaching. Um, and, you know, praying the Lord's, the Lord's angels and came around about you and go before you to prepare the way and putting on the full armor of God every day, making sure you're right with the Lord, do some type of Lord's prayer. I mean, praying something like Psalm 64, where you're asking God to hide you from the secret counsel of the wicked, from your enemies, as, as though you don't even exist to them. These are things that a guy like Mike, Mike Adams is never going to mention. And because he's not a Christian and because Dr. Bittar, they're not going to be able to appropriate that protection from God. I mean, unless God just in his mercy does it. Okay. And that's a big, you know, that's, that's a gigantic blessing that Christians have that other people don't. So anyway, God bless you. Hopefully gave you some good information today and um, Lord willing, we will see you in the next audio.